Welcome to Christ Community Church. We are so glad that you joined us today. My name is Ezra, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. It's good to see everyone. What a great day, baptism, worship, the word. What a good day. Hey, if you are new to us, if you're visiting, maybe for the first or the second time, would you let us know? We wanna be able to pray for you, to serve you, to see if we can answer questions if you're looking for a church home. So before you leave, Stop by the welcome desk out in the lobby, and uh, we would love to have that conversation with you. We have a gift for you, and would love to be able to pray for you there. <clears throat> Before I get rolling, uh, can I encourage you? You are not here by mistake. You're not here by mistake. Whether it's routine, whether it is you knew someone who was getting baptized, whether you always come here or you just wandered in, you are not here by mistake. God has a purpose for you to be here. We are a church of next steps. And I wanna encourage you, as Becky was talking about next steps, we had three beautiful young souls take their next step. I think we all ought to be uh, aware of what our next step is. And so as we, as we go through this service, maybe you've already heard what your next step is. Maybe it had to do with baptism or one of the lyrics in the songs or maybe it's in the message, or maybe it is somewhere in a conversation in the lobby. But be aware of what God might be calling you to do your next step. So let's pray together toward that end. Lord, you are always active, always moving toward us, and I'm grateful for that. Lord, help us to be attuned to you and be attuned to what our next step is toward you. Thanks for meeting us there. Thanks for encouraging us there, whatever that is, for each one of us. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So in preparing a message like this, there are a lot of questions that one asks themselves. And in my case, one of the questions that I considered uh, in this preparation was, what should I wear? So I got some advice on what, I should, on what I should wear. So I chose a flannel because it's still winter. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's still winter. And um, though my daughter, my beloved, beloved daughter, she let me know that in eighth grade, flannels are not trendy, they are not cool, and they're not okay. But that's okay with me, so I chose to go with this anyway. In fact, I was sitting right back there uh, just recently, and she leaned over and said, hey, Dad, I see a guy up there that's wearing a lumberjack shirt like yours. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Thank you. And I chose these shoes because I love them. I love these shoes. They're comfortable. I, I got a great deal on them, and which is probably partially why I love them. I feel like I won. And so I, I, I really like these shoes. And I asked my wife, well, um, do you think I should wear these? And she said, well, if you're going hiking, Okay, I sense disapproval, but I figured I'm hiking from there to here, so I can make that work. Why in the world would I think that any of you care about my wardrobe? Well, frankly, I don't. But I would imagine that you can relate insofar as when you pick out your clothes for the day, you probably remember something someone said about that particular shirt or about your shoes or about your pants. Or maybe it's something that you read, or maybe it is a message that you got sometime that this is, this is fashionable, or this is my color, I'm a spring color, whatever that means. Like you, you probably have that message going through your head. You could probably go through your closet, like me, and think of things that people have said 
about all the clothes that you have. And those things influence what you wear every day. Do they not? They do for me. And it's not because I want to be trendy, but it's just because those things, they just happen. They just stick. It's because words matter. Words matter. Think about recommendations. Where should I go to eat? Is there a good place in town? Well, people will tell you. They have an opinion and they want to tell you. And, and you'll probably go there because you'll trust their recommendation. Or where's a good place to get granola or whatever else in town? Like, well, you'll probably go by their recommendation. What car should I buy? I think all of us could think back and probably remember something that someone said to you at one point in time that has stuck with you and has influenced who you've become. Maybe it's a friend that said, I just can't trust you. And maybe that's stuck with you. Or maybe it's a friend that said, I wish we could have coffee every day. You encourage me so much. I bet you remember that. Or maybe your mom said, you're a slob, you're lazy. Maybe that influenced some of your habits. Maybe that still stuck with you. Maybe your dad said, you are, you're not gonna be good for anything. Or maybe he told you he loved you over and over every day. I bet you remember that. It's because words matter. And the Bible ups the ante for that even more. Words don't just matter. Words have power. Words are powerful. In a familiar chapter in James chapter 3 in the New Testament, James gives a couple metaphors about the power of words. He talks about the bit in a horse's mouth. It's a small apparatus that you put in a horse's mouth, and you can steer that powerful animal where you want it to go just by a small bit. And a ship, a massive vessel floating on the sea is steered by just a tiny rudder, something proportionately insignificant, but it directs the ship. James goes on, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's pretty vivid, and it's a great warning for us. Words have power. In the book of Proverbs, <clears throat> our current series, Wise and Otherwise, Proverbs has a lot to say about the tongue, about words. In fact, it's one of the most frequent themes in the entire book. And so I thought it appropriate to talk about that for a few minutes here. In Proverbs, as I was reading through, gathering some, some ideas and putting together ideas, there are three principles that emerged for me, and I want to share those with you. The first principle is this. What you take in influences who you are. What you take in influences who you are. Many of us know this intuitively. It's kind of like eating, right? What you eat, it will nourish you, it'll make you feel full, feel well, or not so much. What you take in, what you eat, is going to impact your body in, the, in those ways. Likewise, the words that we hear, the messages that we hear, are going to influence our body. They're gonna influence, more specifically, who you are. 
In Proverbs 19.20, it says, listen to advice and accept discipline so that you may be wise the rest of your days. Listen to advice and accept discipline. The word listen is used 23 times before this verse. It's almost as if Solomon is wanting his listeners and his readers to, to just come back to this idea of listen, 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 my son. Listen to this advice. Listen to this instruction. Listen. He repeats it on purpose so that we pay attention. And it is godly wisdom that he is speaking. He's encouraging us to listen and tune in to his godly wisdom. And it strikes me that to take on a listening posture, you have to accept a level of humility, which goes in the face of sometimes our culture, our American culture. We're independent. We are self-sufficient. We're going to work, and we're going to find our own answers. But here, Proverbs tell us to listen. Listen first. And when you listen to someone else, you have to turn on what they're saying and to a degree turn off your own voice instead of thinking about the next thing you're gonna say or thinking about your response. To listen has a posture of humility and it is said over and over and that matters. <clears throat> Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with here implies proximity, to be with, to be around. So as we read this verse, we recognize that the person-to-person -person interaction in this day was the primary way of rubbing off on each other, of learning things, the apprenticeship, learning a trade, learning your, learning your education. It was to be with someone. You had to be in their proximity. The second part of this verse serves as a warning for us. The word fools here is similarly used in 1 Corinthians in Paul's famous one-liner, bad company corrupts good character. That's the same idea here as the, as the word fools in the second part of this verse. And in ancient times, it would seem pretty straightforward, I would think, that if you are around wise people, or if you are around fools, that that would certainly influence the direction in which you go because what you take in influences who you are. But in our day, it's a bit more complicated than that, I think. We have a lot more ways that we can be around people. We have a lot more ways that we can be with them. In fact, you can influence someone when you are all alone. When you are all alone, whatever time of day, almost anywhere in the world, you can text, you can, you can message, you can call, you can post your words and everyone else's words, we can influence each other even while not being right with someone. Walk with the wise and be wise. And so I think that opens us up to uh, realize that we need to continually put on the filter of what we listen to, of what we watch, music, TV, social media, those all influence who we are and who we become. 
Proverbs 18, 15, the heart of the discerning acquires knowledge, and the ears of the wise seek it out. In this one, the words acquire and seek are active. The others, it was more kind of what's coming at you and what you're taking in. This one is more active. Go, get, acquire, seek. Do you have a decision that you're struggling with right now? Go, ask advice. Is there a vice in your life that's holding you back from God's best for you? Seek help. Go get wisdom. Is there someone that you aspire to be like? This reminds me of a story about, oh, 15, 20 years ago, I was at a church in Indiana, and uh, we had no kids yet, my wife and I were going there, and I realized that I needed, uh, I needed someone in my life like a mentor, someone, uh, an older guy, a sage. And so, as I was scanning our congregation, there was a guy that I had noticed several times, over and over, we hadn't talked but maybe one or two short conversations, but I noticed how he treated his wife, I noticed how he listened to others and leaned in. He was a tall guy like me. He leaned in to listen. I noticed his patience. And I heard what other people said about him. And so I just thought, you know what? What have I got to lose? So I went to him one day and I asked him, would you mind having coffee with me? I would love to learn from you. I would love to, love to get some of your wisdom and your experience. And I didn't know what to expect, but he said yes. And so we started meeting, and to this day, I cherish that relationship. Now, of course, we don't meet together anymore. He's in a different state. But he would tell you, and he told me, he said, Ezra, I think I got more out of those conversations than you did. I would fully disagree respectfully with him, but the point is because I took a step to seek and ask I stepped into a mutually beneficial relationship where I grew and I, I was encouraged. And I would encourage you, if, that is, uh, if that's something that you're feeling, to do the same. I think Proverbs would encourage us to actively pursue like this and then listen. What you take in influences who you are. Who you are with influences who you are. Another thing that massively impacts us, some to, the, to a higher degree than others, is, is reading, what you read. So the, the websites and books and magazines and all of that stuff. Did you know that since the Gutenberg Press was, uh, was invented about 600 years ago, there have been 150, roughly, million books in print? 150 unique books, 150 million rather, unique books published. That's a lot. Set those side by side, and that gets you from here to Hawaii. The other way around the world. The long way. That's a massive amount of books. And I will, I will admit, some of them are very, very good. Some of them offer wisdom, and they are encouraging, and they are things that we would recommend to each other. And some of them, not so much. But can I be as bold as to give you some advice and to cut down your reading list, perhaps? All of those 150 million books, all of them, but one, have human authors. All of them but one. And we have the only book that has ever been written whose author is God himself. And so it makes sense to me, if we are looking to filter, if we are looking to attend to what we take in, 
that we would start here. That we would start here. Because what you take in influences who you are. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, rebuke, training, uh, correction and training in righteousness. All the thing that wisdom pursues. Uh, everything we need. All the answers to every important question is right here. We have it. I'm reminded of a story in Luke where Mary and Martha hosted Jesus on his way to Jerusalem on his final journey there. And, um, and you may have heard this story. Mary and Martha were there at the house. He came in and Mary decided to sit with him. And Martha was busily working and preparing everything. And she was getting frustrated because Mary wasn't helping her. And so eventually that frustration boiled over and she went to Jesus and said, Lord, would you tell her to please help me? And in compassion, Jesus responded to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Friends, there are many things that demand our attention, many things that we need to do, many important things. But don't let those things get in the way of pushing Jesus aside where we lose track that he is in our presence. We don't have the privilege of him walking through our house like Mary and Martha did. But we have the privilege of spending time with him every day when we choose. Don't let the busyness, even important things, get in the way of that. What you take in influences who you are. Whereas this principle uh, is mostly about, about what comes into you from others. The second principle in Proverbs is actually the opposite, is, is what, what goes from you. And so that principle is this, what you say impacts others. What you say impacts others. Proverbs twelve eighteen: the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The word reckless here uh, is also translated thoughtless, flippant, or rash. So flippant words, rash words, thoughtless, reckless words, pierced like swords. I imagine uh, someone walking through a crowd, perhaps with someone, and they're having a conversation, and maybe the conversation isn't going very well. And what you say to this person, or maybe it's on the phone, what you say, it can impact others all around you. Those reckless words, they can, they can travel. They're not just to one person. I would imagine that person, instead of having a phone in their hand, having a sword. And if you walk through that crowd with a sword, people are going to get hurt. It is this idea that, that reckless words pierce like swords. Proverbs gives us examples uh, of these things that we should guard against, those that pierce like swords, also the things that brings healing. Um, so this list, uh, there's a bunch of words that we probably, um, we probably will maybe cringe at, but uh, words like gossip, lying, slander, uh, perversity, harsh, uh, harsh and cursing uh, language, those are words. <laughs> so when my daughter um, asked me, uh, Dad, what are you preaching on? And I said, the power of words. And in all of her teenage enthusiasm and support, she responded, ugh. 
because she knows. She's thinking about this, right? We all know this. We've heard these things. Don't do this. Don't do this. And it can kind of feel like a beating sometimes. But that's okay. They come up over and over in Proverbs, and so they must be important. So we're going to address just a few of them. Proverbs uh, 11.13 says, A gossip betrays confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. So let's, just, let's start here by defining gossip. Gossip is idle talk or rumor, uh, especially about the personal or private affairs of others. That's gossip. So gossip, as you know, is dangerous. Gossip can pierce like a sword. It is certainly reckless. And I would hope that most of us, when, when gossip is obvious, we could see it and we could stop it, right? We could either walk away or we could stop what we're saying because, oh, I feel like this is coming on and I'm going to stop it. The dangerous part of gossip, though, is when it kind of creeps under the radar and it is or it appears to be something else. So if you feel like you're getting into a situation like this or your heart is kind of giving you a warning, I have four questions that I ask myself when I think about if what I, sh what I should say is appropriate. So those four questions uh, are, is it true? Is what I am going to tell you true? And if it's not, don't say it. Second question, is it helpful? Is it helpful? It could be true, but if it's not helpful, if it's not beneficial for the person that is listening, not worth saying. Third question, is it necessary? So is it true? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? And the fourth question, is it, is it confidential? Do you have this person's permission to speak whatever you're going to say? And if you can't answer all those questions with yes, then or appropriately, rather, then, uh, then I would say, don't say it. The word secret in the second part of this verse, a trustworthy person keeps a secret, that word might give us the heebie-jeebies. That, that might be, hold on a second, because in our culture, secrets are often uh, associated with negative things. I'm keeping a secret because I did something wrong, or I lied, or it's a crime, or uh, something out of ill intent. But a secret in this context is actually a really, really good thing. An author, David Ford, said of, of secrets of this kind, secrets of intimacy kept safe are gifts of discernment. I'll read that again. Secrets of intimacy kept safe are gifts of discernment. Bonds of trust that handle our knowledge of others with great care. I love this because it reminds us that secrets don't have to be bad. They are, in fact, gifts of discernment and bonds of trust that we can hold tightly. Words matter. Words can make or break relationships. And this is a, this is a clear case of how that can happen. What you say impacts others. Proverbs 15.4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. This here it might seem pretty simple, but to me, it's extraordinary. A gentle tongue is life-giving. It is life-giving. And a gentle word here uh, can be translated soothing, 
like a balm or like ointment, so uh, a soothing tongue. And oftentimes when I think of this verse or when I thought of it, I think of it in the context of parenting, right? A gentle tongue for your children can be a tree of life. It can be life-giving. If you are careful with your words, it can be life-giving. Now, it does not mean, by the way, nice. We in the upper Midwest, especially Minnesota, we've kind of cornered this, this word, maybe even trademarked it, I'm not sure, but Minnesota nice, right? Gentle does not necessarily mean nice, at least nice in the way that we think about it. It does not mean a nice tongue or a polite tongue or a agreeable tongue or even a passive avoid the issue tongue. We're talking a gentle tongue, which can be used in the context of a conflict. It can be used when there is tension, when there is a disagreement. You can still employ a gentle tongue that is soothing. And that, friends, is a tree of life. So let's circle back to Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. So gossip, lying, slander, perverse and harsh speech, pierce like swords. But self-control, kindness, truth, wholesome and gentle words bring healing. What you say impacts others. They can hurt or heal. Your words can make or break relationships. What you say impacts others. And the third principle is pretty straightforward. Your words reveal the condition of your heart. Your words reveal the condition of your heart. Words have power, and they have power to reveal what is going on inside of you. And that's okay. The most, the most uh, uh, vivid uh, uh, illustration of this actually happens in Matthew, Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees. The Pharisees, whose words, by the way, were usually pretty right. Their words were, their words were trained. They were educated. They knew the right answers, but their hearts were not. And so Jesus said, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. We cannot hide the condition of our hearts. It will be revealed, probably in weak moments. And so we need to guard our hearts. We need to keep our hearts before the Lord. Words are powerful. They can pierce and they can cut. And if we're not careful, that can come out of us. But fortunately, this, in my mind, is a, it's, it's a gift, it's a benefit, because much like getting a wound, uh, I, I dislocated my finger last week, and it was nasty looking, and it hurt. It reminded me, I have got to take care of this thing. I've got to ice it. I've got to do things to help it to heal. Likewise, when we say something, and it comes out, and you go, oh, oh dear, it can be a, it can be a signal for you. There's something going on. And that can be a gift from the Lord. What do I need to do to attend to this? What do I need to do to heal this wound? God made us that way, and I, I truly think it's a gift. Your words reveal the condition of your heart. So our three principles today, what you take in influences who you are. What you say impacts others. 
and your words reveal the condition of your heart. So what do we do with that? Well, I have a couple of applications. They're very practical and I've already given you a couple of them. So first, attend to what you take in. By the way, is this your next step? You only need one today. You only need one. Is this your next step? Attend to what you take in. Listen, seek, and ask. Listen to the words of wisdom of Scripture. Listen to the wisdom of others. Listen. Humble yourself. Seek. Go get. If you need help, if you need someone to walk beside you, seek. Don't wait for them to do it. Ask. Ask questions. Ask with curiosity. Ask with humility. And then listen. Secondly, care for your words. Here are those four questions I gave you earlier. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? And do I have permission by that person to share this? Your words impact others. Care for them. And third, keep your heart before the Lord. So this can look a thousand different ways. And if you, friend, are, are, have a rhythm in this, then, then you don't need this. You don't need my advice in this. But if you are looking at that and you're thinking, maybe that's my next thing, I just have a couple things that I would suggest, very simply. First, take some time in the Word. Again, we have all that we need. We have all that we need. And God will meet you when you take time with Him. Uh, recent research says that uh, four times a week, four times a week, if it's less than that, it probably isn't going to make the change as fast or as much. But four times a week for just a few minutes a day, if you can do that, according to some recent research, you will begin to feel and see the change in your life. Four times a week, five to ten minutes. More is, of course, better, but that is, that is an easy place to start. And if you don't know where to start reading, start in the book of John. If you are uncomfortable with that, if you don't know how to read the Bible or how to draw out application or how to study, look around. This is what we are for. This is what we are for. We can help each other. Ask. Join a small group. Join a Bible study, a men's group, a women's group. Step in. There are others here that would gladly, gladly help if you don't know where to start. Start somewhere. Get into the Word. And second, pray. That is just a uh, uh, pray used as an acronym. Uh, those four words. It's just one way to help uh, remind me how to posture myself before the Lord. But those four words, uh, if you're unfamiliar with this, um, is just, uh, as you remember, um, pause. So the P in pray is pause. And set the things of the day aside. Make sure that you are tuning in to uh, what God is, where God is moving in your heart. So pause, reflect, reflect with gratitude on the things he has given you. Give him thanks because he has given us much. The A is ask. Whatever you feel as though he is, he is uh, wanting you to ask of him, maybe it is strength. Maybe you need strength to have a conversation that you don't want to have. Maybe you need courage. Maybe you need discernment for that next decision in your life. Maybe you need help. Maybe you need hope. 
I think if we ask of him, he will delightfully give that to you. And the why is yield. Yield to his will. The more we are in his word and the more time we spend with him, we will align, we will see, we will know his will, and we will be eager and willing to yield to that. There are a hundred other acronyms out there that can help you pray. In fact, uh, there's a Bible app that's, that's the, the most common one out there. It has ways to pray. It has, it has Bible reading plans. I would encourage you, if you don't have that, get that on your phone or your device. That is one good way to use your phone. Get into that. It can be really, really helpful. So friends, um, <laughs> we're all going to say something wrong at some point in time. We all will. And I don't want to beat you up about it, like my daughter. Ugh. I don't, I don't, we don't need to be beaten up about it. And frankly, I don't think God wants to beat you up either. But when we step out of bounds, when we say something that we wish we could take back, and we all will at some point in time, I think what makes, what makes us different, if we are seeking the wisdom of Proverbs, if we are seeking the Lord, and to attend to what he is asking us to do, how we respond to those moments, I think will set us apart. And if we, imagine if we as a congregation were to attend to those principles taught us in scripture, if we were to do that in our relationships, in our marriages, in our homes, in our work, in our congregation, if we were to do that and get better at it, if all of us took the next step in that, I think that would make a massive difference. And I think we would stick out like a sore thumb in Rochester. I think we would. And people would be asking, what is different? Why is that different? Why do you treat each other that way? And then we could tell them about Jesus and the hope that we have in him. Imagine if we all took that next step. It is pretty exciting. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, whatever that is, Father, for each of us, I pray that you would lock that into our minds and our hearts and help us as we seek to move toward you. We know you are always moving toward us. Help us to respond in obedience, with gratitude, and take that next step toward you. Lord, I'm grateful for the way that you work, and I trust your voice in our hearts. Help us to hear and obey. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you today need someone to pray with you, we will have some people down front. You are welcome down here. Otherwise, speak words of kindness. Speak truth to each other as you go. We'll see you next week.